to Identity Church Sunday morning message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I have been preaching a series on identity, and today's message is going to be part of that series. This is uh, the ninth version of that. Um, And I've had several weeks to mull it over. Um, Seriously, take some time and go to the Identity app, the new app. Kevin has done a very good job of putting series together. You can go back. Any guest speakers we have, you can find all the guest speakers, their messages. Then we have in-house speakers. I mean, we're building an arsenal of, so people can find out who we are as a, as a house. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of Mike and Kevin. And, and even Rodney had to deal with the giving side. Uh, are we still okay with everybody? Okay. Yeah, we're not using the new giving side, but it's up and running. Next week, we're going to change the, uh, the text giving and stuff. But, you know, it's and the kiosk. So I just, you know, we're, we're trying to position ourselves to be uh, more excellent. You know, when you um, don't pursue perfection because he is perfection, excellence is the byproduct. We're not pursuing perfection. We have perfection. Excellence is the byproduct, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, Today's message is the royal priesthood. Um, I have pondered this for about three weeks. Susie and I spent some time in the the woods of Ohio in the Amish community, uh, had some some good downtime, um, and I did a lot of pondering, but have actually did the study in the last two days and it lit me up and so being part of the identity series i want to first uh susie let's go to revelations 5 10 and has made us unto our god kings and priests and we shall reign the earth this is revelation this is the end of the this is the end of the book we're supposed to be kings and priests but in first peter chapter 2 9 and 10. So I I wanted to go there because that's where we're going to wind up. But verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Whose possession? That you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not re- once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm telling you, he he. It, this this scripture is is very clear. He's talking about a nation. He's talking about a royal priesthood. He's talking about a people, his people. And here's the problem: is, is if you don't know who you are individually, you'll never be who you're supposed to be corporately. Okay, so there's there's your problem is when you don't know your own identity, you don't know your own calling, you don't know what God has given you into personally, you'll never fit corporately. When it comes to understanding the meaning behind royal priesthood, we must understand that the priesthood in the Old Testament was in the first place, was where it was at in the first place. And and I have to tell you that 
I personally walk in business and I personally walk in ministry. To me, that is a king and priest role. Kings go out, we go to war, we go to business, we bring finances, we set it in front of the priesthood. I'm a fairly decent king. I've been a broke one before. I like being one that's not broke. But then the priesthood has its role. And I have operated in both of those scenarios well. Uh, Pastor Greg Boggs used to say to me, he worked for me, he said, I've never seen anybody that could shift from, hey, give me your money because this is your lighting bill. And by the way, the Lord would say it to you. He said, I've never seen anybody be able to function in both at the same time. And my answer to him was, yeah, because you need to take one robe off, then you put the other robe on. I wear both. If you have to take time to take the robe off before you became a, become a priest, then, then you're going to miss the opportunity. You're both king and priest. Both. And, and, and I believe that the Church of America has not understood that is why the priestly role of the church has not honored the kingly role, and people as kings would try to manipulate the priesthood with their money. We're both. That's so this this is this is maybe for me. Priesthood meeting. The Old Testament, God chose the tribe of Levi to serve as priest in Israel, ministering in the tabernacle, and later the temple. Catch that. Tabernacle, then temple. Who are you? Oh, you're a temple. Then why are you going for everybody else to be your priest? Anyway, the book of Numbers tells us that Levites were viewed as belonging to God. They were set apart and considered holy. Uh, Numbers 3, verse 12, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine. However, amongst the Levites' priests, an even more anointed role was chosen, the role of the high priest of Israel. The high priest is the title of the chief religious leader of the nation of Israel. He oversaw the responsibilities in all of the subordinate priests. Catch this. <clears throat> I'm a priest, but I'm under the high priest's mandate. I am his subordinate. Who's your high priest? Oh, where is he? Don't go, don't go there. He's here. Okay, he's, he's, he's omnipresent, but he's in you. Your high priest is in you, and you are subordinate to him. The problem is, and this is where I'm, listen, in the last couple of weeks, I've had to deal with this because my high priest wanted to forgive people I didn't want to forgive. What do you do when the high priest says forgive? I paid the price. Deal with it. Well, I don't want pain. That's called rebellion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Y'all saints. <laughs> the high priest was the leader of the nation of Israel. The high priest in you is your leader. Are you going to submit and be a priest according to his image? 
according to his will, according to his principles. However, in the New Testament, found in the book of Hebrews, we're told that the Levitical priesthood, which came about under the Old Covenant, made with Moses, has now been done away with. Now God has made a new covenant through Jesus Christ. In this new covenant, we're raised up as high priest in Christ, who is not a priest after the old order of the Levitical priesthood, but by the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7.17 says it this way, For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now under the new covenant, Jesus has it is our forever high priest, and all believers are subordinate priests under him. you got to catch that. How many believe that you're a priest? Do you recognize that you have a boss called high priest, and you're supposed to look like him, act like him, and be able to function with his authority. Has you ever heard your high priest say, hey, go ask Anthony to forgive, forgive you, you offended him yesterday, and not do it? Is that still a yes? <laughs> sometimes. So it's sometimes a yes. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes the righteous are not easily offended anthony so i'll just throw a little scripture at you but listen listen if we catch this so so if you're a priest you get your identity from jesus you model high priesthood you model the priestly role by what's in you. And I'm going to tell you something. My human side doesn't like him sometimes. Both. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a priestly, a, a, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hello? If I'm a priest, Anthony's in sin, God sends me to Anthony to do what? Offer a proper sacrifice. See, everybody wants to do greater works than Jesus did. Do you understand this is greater works than Jesus did? Because he hasn't had to kill me to go do it. He did. John chapter 20. Jesus breathes on his disciples and says this. Who's ever sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. Who's ever sins you retain, they'll be retained. Matthew 16, to be my disciple... To be my disciple, take up your cross daily. Whose cross? Why do we keep dragging him to Jesus' cross when he gave us a cross and said we can tell him? Listen, if Jesus took care of the sins of the world, this is not, this is not trying to take Jesus' place. He took care of the sins of the world. He told us to go institute it. Anthony, your sins are forgiven. I forgive you. 
And I'm telling you, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus already paid it all. I'm just telling you what the contract says. That's being a priest. I thought that was good. So now we've gotten an overview of what priesthood means. Now let's look at royal part of being royal priesthood. This goes back to the Revelation scripture I started off with. Kings, if you don't understand your royalty, you won't understand you're a king. This book right here will help you out. The Supernatural Ways of Royalty by Chris Valentin and Bill Johnson. I came across this book as my wife was throwing all my hoarding out of my house. At first, I thought she was throwing me out of the house. She just didn't want all my stuff. So I have a bunch of books that I've been going through, and I kind of hid a few. This is one I've hid. This is one I knew, didn't know I needed as much as I needed. <clears throat> Susie's not kicking me out. She's just kicking my hoarding out. But that is a great resource. <clears throat> Kingdoms in the Bible. What we see through the story in the Bible is how God goes about reasserting his rulership over kingdoms and kingdoms of this world. You realize he's a king. Anytime there's a king, he has a kingdom. We love to say King Jesus. But my question is, if you can be a subordinate priest, what kind of subordinate king are you? Some of you are so lazy, you don't want to rule. You're so intimidated, you won't take responsibility to rule. And everybody wants authority, so you want me to give you a title so you have authority. Let me tell you something. You get authority when you take responsibility. Some of you need to learn to be a king and ask the king of kings, where is my responsibility and what authority have you given me? And I'll put my hand to the plow and let's see how this thing works. Am I, am I on target here? I'm walking in your garden. <laughs> just don't want to tip, this ain't tiptoe into the tulips. And I'm not tiptoe into the tulips. See, here's the thing is, we, we, we think, we, years ago, years ago, this lady came in with two daughters and both of them were demon possessed. They were in church and, 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 and everybody's trying to cast the demons out. And they're, they're going, Jesus, come and do this. And Jesus this and Jesus that, and them demons are going, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, hmm, how come this ain't working? He says, because they're wanting me to come do what I told them to do in my name. And so I walked up and I went, come out now in Jesus' name. I took authority. He gave me the authority. He told me to do it, but I cast the demons out. Why? Because I know who I am. And we keep asking Jesus to come be king when he told you to be a king. We keep asking Jesus, would you please talk to my boss so I can get a raise? No, why don't you do your job? For the business owners, you can send me a check later. But seriously, because we don't know that we're a king. 
We don't know. We submit the king of kings. who is, He rules. And listen, Genesis, have dominion. Take dominion. He wants dominion over the education mountain. He wants dominion over the media mountain. He wants dominion over the real estate business. He wants dominion over the lighting business. He want, But he needs people to stand and take responsibility for those that are in that department. Quit being a priest and looking for an escape and start being both. But then God chooses a couple, Abraham and Sarah. He makes promises, makes their offspring. I'm going to make your offspring a great nation. <clears throat> I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make the kingdom of Israel great because I am the king. However, we know that the stories of the Old Testament that the Israelites failed miserably about being faithful to God and, 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 and wound up in captivity and wound up where the evil kingdoms dominated them. However, though the Israelites failed to remain faithful to God, God remained faithful to them because He is a faithful God. In Isaiah, you read about how God promised a day when He will save His people and free them from bondage and captivity as their future king. That's Isaiah 52.7, I think I wrote it. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of those things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Who in your neighborhood comes to your house and says, I need prayer because I watched you and your God reigns. Pray for my daughter. Pray for my son. Pray for my business. Pray for this. This is what we should be attracting. We should be attracting people because we're good kings. This is the series on identity, guys. Until you figure out who God said you are, you won't act like this. The fulfillment of this promise is what we see in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus came as Israel's promised king who established the kingdom of God here on earth. So Jesus is king. <clears throat> but guess what? You are also his royalty. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are now sons and daughters of God, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. Now, if we are children, Romans 8, 16-7, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Let me tell you something. I needed, I needed some truth this week. I'm, I'm battling some stuff. I, I, I'm argh, Just leave it at that. So I call my oldest son. Hey, Bubba. Jack Taylor's gone. I need someone to father me over some things. I lay out this scenario. Little punk. You know what he said to me? When did you change being who you've always been? You've always done this. You've always done what right. 
You've never cared what people thought. You did what God told you to do. If God tells you to cover and to love, why would you change being who you've always been? I'm like, shut up. Why? Because you know what? We feel pressure. We feel like, I just don't want to fight this fight again. So I'm going to change who I am? Some of you are called to be kings, and you don't want to because you got to be a little warrior. you got to have a little guts. I, I, I was given the title of a book. Um, it's, it's a non-Christian book, and it's written by a Japanese person. I haven't even started it. I'm reading enough. I'm, I'm doing my other books. But I, I know I'm supposed to. It's called The Courage to Be Disliked. I'll let you know if I like it. I have some other books, but I can't tell you the title. Listen, what does it mean to be a joint heir with Christ? This is family stuff, guys. Why do we call God a father? He wanted, if he didn't want a family, he'd have you call him something else. Call me Buddha. Call me Allah. No, call me Father. Why? Because I want a family. I'm going to start this thing with a family. I'm going to end it with a family. And if this is family business, that's my inheritance. Everything Jesus, Jesus accomplished on the cross is mine. He said he's a priest. My high priest? Fine. He's the king of kings? See, the problem is, yes, he's the king of kings. I just don't want to be one. Why? Because we're too lazy. Or you haven't negotiated your reward. Did King David know he was a king before he became a king? Why? Because God called him a king before he became a king, and he acted like a king when he was still a ruddy little red-headed stepchild. And he looks out at the giant that's mocking the whole nation of Israel. And I love I, this, this. This makes me tickle on the inside. His brothers are like, what are you here for? You just want attention. I, can you, I mean, I, I had sisters. Thank God I didn't have brothers. Because my sisters were tough. Can, can you imagine the, the ridicule? What are you doing here? Why aren't you watching the sheep? Why aren't you doing... And this giant's out there mocking the, 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 the armies of Israel. David makes this statement. What does a man get that kills that sucker? He saw an injustice. He was already called a king. He's not king yet, but he had king identity. So the king identity goes, what does a man get that kills that sucker? Oh, the man that kills that giant, um, he'll become royalty, and he'll get the king's daughter. He'll sit at the king's table. His family will be tax-free, and he'll be honored and, and all this stuff. Hmm. I think I'm going to kill him. That's king mentality. If you're a slave, well, I just did it because the Lord wanted me to. It's not worth much killing that giant. And I'm not worthy to sit at the table with the king. What kind of garbage is that? See, some of you won't negotiate your reward because you don't even value who you are. 
There was an ad put in the paper in the New York Times. This is about 20 years ago. Described the job to a T and said job paid $74,000. They had almost 3,000 applicants come. Month and a half later, they put the same ad, same wording, and said starting pay $225,000. Three people showed up. Nobody thought they were qualified or had that kind of value. Or one of the things that they didn't want to take the responsibility that that, would, that payment would give you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just dumb enough to try. Give me the cash. There it is. Listen, this 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 joint heir, that's a whole other teaching. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some of that. Because Jesus is royalty, you're royalty. You are a member of God's royal family. Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because Jesus sacrificed on the cross. Our sins have been removed. We have been restored to our original design and as the image bearer of God who created to rule and reign on God's behalf. Now that we have a, a decent summary of royal part of the royal priesthood, um, let's put some other things together here. You are a royal priesthood. We'll cover what it means. We've covered what it means to be kings, the royalty, and priests. Now let's look at what it means to be a royal priesthood. As believers, we're called to be both king and priest. Just as Jesus is both king and priest and forever high priest. However, the Old Testament, it's important to note that you could not be both king and priest at the same time. Some of this just jumped off the page of me because I just had assumptions, and assumptions get you in trouble. However, the idea of God's people being both kings and priests is always part of God's plan. Acts chapter 15, which is talking about a passage in Amos 9.11, says that after these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and it, and I will restore it. Who's going to do all this? God. So the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. For the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you don't understand you're a king and a priest, you're going to be just a religious church person, and you, the, the world won't be able to find you. That's my opinion. So the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. You see, the Old Testament, the lineage of kings and priests looked like this. From the tribe of Judah became, came the kings. From the tribe of Levi came the priest. <clears throat> Wavering from this rule was not allowed under any circumstance. If a king were to take on the role of a priest, then the king would surely die. This rule was firm for everyone without exception, at least except King David. Through this study, I found why Jesus came out of the lineage of David. Dude, he broke all the molds. That little ruddy redhead said, hmm, what does the man give that kills this? He raises to, 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 to a, a real king. But you've got to realize David was a king, a priest, and a prophet. This is why we come out of the lineage of David. 
You know, excited me more than. Hmm? Do what? David was from Judah because he was a king. But what you see, though, you see David. David was a king from the tribe of Judah, but he started functioning as a priest, which is illegal. I, I love when David got hungry, he went, he went to the temple and he goes, give me some bread. Well, this is for the priest. I know. Give me some bread. He knew who he was. And he was against all religious rules and regulations. When he was hungry, he, you know the story. He goes and says, give me, give me the bread. Well, this is for the priest. I know. <laughs> I know. But you're king. I know. I'm confused. Uh, you won't die. I'll die. But I ain't going to die. I want the bread. Is this making sense? Or have I confused everyone? All right. Let me go back then. This rule was firm for everyone without exception, at least everyone except for King David. David was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah, which is why he was king. However, David had a uniqueness around him because unlike other kings of Israel, David acted both as king and priest. And I wrote, and prophet. You can find it in Scripture. While the other kings needed the priest in order to talk to God, David talked to God directly. Go look at the other kings. They had a priest or they had a prophet come tell him what God said. David would pursue God on his own to get answered. Now, he added other people, you know, prophet, name, I mean, all, the, all the spankings came from an outside prophet. Kind of is today. This is significant because, as already discussed, kings were not allowed to act as priests. Furthermore, only a person from the tribe of Levi could be a priest and take on priestly duties. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, 7 and 8, we see David acting as high priest by putting on the ephod. He put on the ephod, which was a ceremonial garment worn only by the high priest. Not only did he take on a priestly role, David took on a high priestly role. He broke the rules. Some of you need to break the rules. Why? Because you're called to be a king instead of a coward. That was God. Then David said to Abner, the priest, son of Ahimelech, uh, verse 30, sorry, Susie, First um, Samuel 37 and 8, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't give you that one? Hmm, me bad. When David said to Abner, the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod, Abner brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party while I, will I overtake them? Listen, that's Ziglag. That's the story of Ziglag. He wore the ephod. He used it, got instruction from God on how to be a king, and asking questions. If, if I do this, will I, will I get, our, get my stuff back? He's not king yet. 
This is the final act before he actually sits on the throne. He'd already gone through the test. of He could have taken Saul out, and he didn't. He could have stuck him with a, with a sword, a uh, spear, and he didn't. This was his final act before he actually sat in the throne. He functioned in both realms. Then in 2 Samuel 6.17, David again acts as priest by sacrificing burnt offerings. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in, in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord, functioning as a priest. So what gives? Why did God not kill David in these acts? He's the only person in the Bible that said, I love you, God. Hmm. The reason is because God had given David a revelation of the promised king, Jesus, who would be both king and priest in the order of Melchizedek. He had a revelation of what was coming. He had a revelation of what was coming. Listen, you won't go into a rebellion with a rule of God that says he'll kill you unless you've had a revelation that Jesus had already been killed. Catch this. I'm not going to forgive you of the sins of the world. I'm just going to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he's already dealt with the sins of the world. In fact, it was David who wrote in Psalms 110 where he says... The Lord has sworn, sworn, and will not change my mind. You are a priest forever, referring to Jesus, in the order of Melchizedek. So who's Melchizedek? Well, it's not a lot told about Melchizedek, except that he was a king and also a priest. <clears throat> now we're getting where we need to be. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. But wait, I thought you couldn't be king and priest in the same in the Old Testament. That's correct. But however, Melchizedek's reign and priesthood was before the time of Moses. It was before Moses, before Abraham, which was when the Levitical priesthood was established. This is before that. So when he says, I, know you, I knew you before the foundations of the world, the Lord's been there. So Melchizedek's kingship and priesthood actually predated the rules established in the time of Moses regarding priests only from the tribe of Levi and kings only from the tribe of Judah. Is it making sense now? So what God actually did was show David another priesthood that was different than the Levitical priesthood where you could be both king and priest at the same time. God had revealed to David the priesthood that was in the order of Melchizedek otherwise known as the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Priesthood of Melchizedek, priesthood of Jesus Christ. Same thing. So when he's saying you're a, a king and a priest, 
It's of that priesthood that I function in both realms. So what we have here is two priesthoods. The Levitical priesthood, where you are only a priest in the Old Testament, and the priesthood of Melchizedek, or better known as the priesthood of Jesus Christ, where you are both king and priest at the same time. Hebrews 7 says this about the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7, 15 and 16. Another priest, referring to Jesus, arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of indestructible life. Go ahead. If, if you want to read about read it, read chapter 7 and 8 of Hebrews. That'll explain it there. So David... Uh, knowing his true identity and authority as both king and priest in the order of Melchizedek, knew that he could rule and reign as king and also enter the presence of God as a priest. And why do we, under the new covenant mandate, struggle with being both? Because we have false identity. We've attached ourselves to the old priesthood. I mean, I, I can break down the priesthood and go to go to go to the uh, Zadak priesthood. You can study that out. So within the tribe of Levi, there was tribes within tribes, and that family. Uh, the Lord said, "These other priests minister to the people. This family ministers to me." So there's rank and file. What kind of priest are you? Are you a sloppy Gracie? Or are you a holy consecrated? Hmm, that stung. So how does all this apply to us as believers today in our royal priesthood? Well, upon establishment of the church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15 declares that the building of the church and the expansion of the kingdom of God will be done by rebuilding the tabernacle of David. So what's David's tabernacle? Technically, David's tabernacle is nothing more than a fancy tent with the ark in it. <clears throat> However, the meaning behind David's tabernacle represents representation is significant. David's tabernacle is a reference of how David renewed the nation of Israel in the worship of Yahweh. By his steadfast devotion to God, the establishment of Jerusalem as Israel's capital city, and bringing the Ark of Covenant back to Israel, which had been lost generations before. All in all, David did a pretty good job. However, the most important thing to take note is here that David's tabernacle repre represents David's kingship where he ruled over Israel as both king and priest in the order of Melchizedek. David's tabernacle was the establishment of the new priesthood according to that order of Melchizedek, in anticipation of the future reign, <clears throat> future reign of King Jesus as both king and forever our high priest. So here's the trivia question. Which tabernacle did God, did God declare he would rebuild in Acts 15? That's us. That's us. God de declared he would expand the kingdom of God here on earth by rebuilding the tabernacle of David so the rest of mankind may seek God, may seek the Lord. 
That's Acts 15, 16, and 17. After these things, I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. I'm telling you, if you don't see yourself as a king and a priest, you have not let Jesus rebuild you. You've not understand that you are the temple of God and you're not the old temple. You're the temple of David, the tabernacle of David. He lives in here. Some of you need to quit reading the Old Testament because <laughs> you're trying to emulate that instead of what you already are. Now, I didn't say not read the Old Testament. I had a guy in our church one time, I got a real prophetic word. This guy was so Bible-based and everything is Bible and he's so Bible. I heard, I heard the Lord as clear as a bell tell me, tell him to fast 40 days and not read his Bible. He called me everything but a devil and left the church because God wouldn't do that. I'm like, dude, if you can't live without reading your Bible, then you don't know the one who wrote the Bible. So sometimes you need to figure it out and actually walk with God. Please don't do that. I don't, don't want to leave over a dumb statement. This is interesting. See, we, we want to win the world, don't we? So we got our new little evangelism program. We got this program. We got this program. We're going to do this. We're going to go out and witness. We're going to do evangelism explosion. We're going to do cook some hot dogs and all that to win the world. Here it says to do it. After these things, I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which is fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name. That's me. First Peter says we are a royal priesthood. That means that we can be both kings and priests at the same time. <clears throat> we are kings who take territory and expand the kingdom of God with authority and influence. And we are a priest who serves God with direct access and fellowship with him in the throne room of God. So if anyone ever asks you what it means to be a royal priesthood, you can say, I have access, the authority to enter into the presence of God as a priest, and I have a mandate to reign and rule over territories. He said take dominion. And he's given us all the tools. All right, let's recap. Believers are called to be both Kings and priests, just as Jesus is both king and priest and high priest forever. God said he would rebuild the tabernacle of David in Acts 15, where you are both king and priest in the order of Melchizedek. We are a royal priesthood, which means we have direct access and fellowship with God like a priest, but also called to expand the kingdom of God and influence the world like a king. the Lord has put me in some unique positions with some other leaders across the country. And it's, it's interesting how things that I've wrestled with for years and I, I went, Oh, that was nice. Okay. That's great wisdom. 
Let me preach that a couple of times. And then you, you yourself don't live it. And so I'm talking to some preachers. And God had told this guy that he was going to give him the city. And this guy's frustrated. He's ready to quit. He's been pastoring in this city for about six, seven years. And, you know, since I've been pastoring 14, I am the expert. Yeah. And all of a sudden, God starts giving me revelation and wisdom, and I start just unpackaging some things for this guy. And he gets it. He gets it. And it's about taking spiritual authority from the seat of authority in the heavenly realm where seats of authority actually matter. And I start telling him, listen, if God, did, if God told you the city, then you've got to act like you're a leader of the city. Quit being a pulper. You've you, you got to either believe him or not. You know, he struggled with finances. I said, listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 15, a wise man had the... Uh, <clears throat> A poor man had the wisdom to save a city, but because he was poor, no one could hear his words. So you can't be a broke pulper and a king at the same time. <laughs> that went over well. But you can't have both. And that tweaked him because he's just sacrificing for Jesus. I'm like, I ain't sacrificing for Jesus. He's already sacrificed. Jesus has already done the sacrifice. Why are you sacrificing? Now, if there's something he's asking you for that's not a sacrifice, it's a seed. So quit acting like it's a sacrifice when it's not a sacrifice and it's a seed. And if it's a seed, ask for a return. What good king sows into a, to a project and not expect a return? You sow into good ground. So if God's asking something for me, I want to know my return. Now, sometimes I can't see the return I just know it's God. But I'm telling you, there's times I've had return, and God goes, oh, that was from that. Oh, really? That's cool. You mean the favor from this guy came because I tolerated that guy? Yeah, that's how it works. He's a good bookkeeper. He has a whole Bible book of the Bible called Numbers. He keeps, he keeps records. So there's accounts with stuff in your... There, there's... There, there's Bank accounts in heaven that you don't haven't even put a, redraw, a, a demand to withdraw on. Because you haven't valued what he's asked you to do. So, so I tweaked him with that. You can't be broke if you're going to run a city. And so then I just went ahead and finished the job with him. And said, well, you know, if you didn't like that scripture, you probably won't like this one here. Money answers all things. Where is that at? Open your Bible. Ecclesiastes 10, 19. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. Got to read the rest of it. Do not curse the king even in your thoughts. Do not curse the rich even in your bedroom, for a bird of the air will take the matter and tell it. You can't be a king when you curse rich people because you need their influence. And if you are a king, you shouldn't. Other people cursing you, God will protect you. Some of you are being assaulted because you won't step into your kingly role and let God protect you. 
There's the warning. Don't curse a king. <laughs> hey, Rodney, am I king? Dare you. Try it. There's enough respect. You know enough king in me. The body of Christ has gotten so sloppy. We think we can curse, talk evil, and get away with it. You're not getting away with it. It says right there, don't curse the king in your bedroom and don't curse the rich. Why? Rich having a gift of influence and you need the influence. Then it, the warning is, and if you do, a bird of the air, a demon, will take your words and repeat the matter. Where is it going to repeat the matter? In heaven. Zechariah chapter 3. And the devil has paperwork on you because you've cursed kings and you've cursed rich people. And God says, I want to make you a king and make you wealthy. The devil goes, you can't because he's dishonored and he's cursed kings and rich people. And you wonder why your, the flow has stopped. Because you are not a good enough priest to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And those who have been kings and those who have been uh, wealthy, I repent and I ask for forgiveness for their sins. And if there's any avenue of my relationship that they can come to healing, please help. Oh, now you take the paperwork out of, out of the devil's hands and the very thing that God says, I'm going to make you kings, I'm going to make you a priest, and you're going to prosper can now flow. And if I have to explain that at a senior pastor's level, and it's complete revelation to him, we're in trouble. When this is supposed to be in the seats. This is not, I'm a king and I'm a priest because I'm a pastor. No, in the seats, you're kings and priests. And you're supposed to have influence. You're supposed to be able to, your voices are supposed to be able to be heard. And if it's not, clean it up. Repent. I told this guy, I said, man, you're sitting in the seat of a scornful. I mean, the last conversation, you're like, me, 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 me. I'm, dude, you, you, you're, you just, you're bitter, you're, you're barking, you're, you're mad at God, and blah, blah, blah. I said, you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And I told him the story when God had to deal with me and, and my, my, my words, and I wasn't being a king. I was actually mad, and I would say stupid stuff. But I'm sitting on this big throne of authority that God gave me, and I'm, I'm cursing myself, I'm cursing my ministry, I'm cursing rich people, I'm cursing everybody because I don't have what I need. And he shows me sitting on this seat of the scornful. And I, I'm like, God, that's me. I'm sitting, I turn my throne of authority into the seat of the scornful. What do I do, God? Repentance is a good way to start. Dear Jesus, I'm broken in this area. Will you forgive me? But then I don't know how to function, Jesus. So in this vision, he takes my chair, my throne, he turns it upside down, and he has three nails about that big. And he drives them in the bottom of this, the seat of my throne. And they're sticking up about that far when he turns the throne back over. I've made you a king, and I've made you a judge. Now sit down. And I did. I went, oh. Hmm. 
He says, when you can sit in, my, in, in the seat of authority I've given you and feel my nail prints that gave you the authority to sit there, you will judge correctly and you'll be a good king. Some of you have seen me do that message. I actually have a chair with spikes. and So I'm telling this pastor. He went out and bought him a chair. He drove some nails in it. He says, that's his new intercessory chair. He's weeping to me. He says, I'm going to get my city back because God said it was mine. But I'm going to sit in that seat and I will exercise through intercession the promises of God. And I will own what I see wrong in my city. I will own what I see that was corrupt in the, in, in the past regime and I will repent for it. And I will sit in a seat of, 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 of a priest, which is an intercessor. What is Jesus? He's sitting on the right hand of the Father doing what? There's your example. He said, but, he said, but can I give you advice next time you tell someone that story? He said, what? He says, have them also hammer down the point. He said, I've ruined two pair of pants. I said, dude, I can't help you. You're stupid. <laughs> Pillows of mercy seat. Okay. Only you, Rodney. <laughs> Yeah, Rodney's like, how can I get what I want and still not have to have the pain of what's going on here? <laughs> Any of this make sense today? Listen. You, you, you know, if there's, there's something Ron Culver's figured out, I mean, we, we, we have a really unique relationship. I mean, I'm his, we're spiritual brothers. We're not father-son. Um, I'm his pastor. I'm his boss and his friend. And, and we figured out the different roles. And I was so mad at him last week. Oh, I wanted to kill him. You know why I wanted to kill him? Because he told me thank you. He said thank you for loving me. I didn't know how to love myself. Thank you for covering me when I couldn't cover myself. See, why would it make you so mad? Because God's making me be a priest to another person that I don't want to. And that idiot comes and tells me, thank you. Take your boss's hat off. Put your, pa your pastor hat on. I want to tell you, thank you. I didn't want to hear it. And the fruit of following priest Jesus is standing in front of you saying thank you. And the inside is going, I don't want to do this anymore. This is painful. If you see on Facebook, I put this on Facebook. Because I said, Lord, this is painful. And the results are not always somebody coming and saying thank you. That's not up to me. Obedience is up to me. And as a priest, here's what he said to me. Until you embrace the pain of giving grace, 
I will never trust you with the power of corporate grace. Until you're willing to give grace to an individual, don't think you've got a worldwide ministry yet. Until you can give it to an individual, God won't let it affect the room. But He's calling us to be kings and priests. Stand to your feet. Lord, I thank you that you declared already in your word that you made us kings and priests and a holy nation. A nation is a group of people. And Lord, the body of Christ is a divided nation. But I'm asking you to bring us into oneness. Bring us individually to understand individually that we're kings and priests. And that as we do our part individually, you will put the nation of kingdom priests together because you will solidify it. You will verify it. And we will become an attractant to the world. And Lord, I'm asking for some of us that are a little more stubborn than others that we're willing to put our hand to the plow and leave the results to you. Lord, as we walk as kings and priests, we make a safe place for people to come and get healed, to come and get set free, to come and to be part of what you call the nation. But God, just what Thomas got, the promise that you're shoving scrolls into our bellies, out of that will become revelation of who you called us to be. Let the scrolls be unwound. Let us read the scrolls over our individual lives. Let us hear what you say about us, our callings, our desires our uniqueness. God, I want to hear the testimony that you have over me, not what others have over me. Lord, I thank you for your discipline. Discipline is comforting to me. You know, we, we walk around and say, you know, about the father son paradigm and all that. The only proof in scripture that you're a son is that you can take discipline. It's the only proof in scripture of your sonship. I am not a bastard. He has wore me out this week. Because I don't want to be a priest. 
And after studying, I realized why wouldn't I be when I know what he's given me? So it breaks the barriers. It makes me burn up paperwork of history I'm holding against the ones God's actually saying, will you go heal? said to me when you agreed to be a spiritual father I didn't give you a right to choose your kids I choose them I'm like well you're a bad pick not all of them are nice because they will be if you'd see the scroll that I have written about them and read it to them instead of be sitting in your seat of scornful why don't you go get the scroll out of the scroll room of heaven of what I've written about these individuals and start repeating what I've said about them instead of what you think about them. Listen, I don't believe God says you can fix every relationship, but I'm guaranteeing you, you can fix the ones he tells you to go fix. The problem is we don't want to hear it. of my son why would you quit being who you've always been thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church to know more about us go to identitychurch.net where you'll find resources such as a calendar media and upcoming events you may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.